Once again, it is time for the BitMart Brain Trust here on NFT 101. Every week, I convene the BitMart Brain Trust to talk about all things in the world of NFT and whatever else is on our minds. For some reason, I'm your host, Matt Ryan, and joining me is to, uh, the one of the thirds of the BitMart Brain Trust. It is Nathan Simone uh, and Kalichi eBay, Kalichi eBay, Kalichi in our hearts forever is on assignment this week, Nathan. And uh, we won't be seeing him for a couple of weeks because he's on assignment. Don't know what he's doing. We just got a memo uh, sent to us from Kalichi. And, and Nathan, you, you know a little bit more about this. You know, it's funny. You say I know a little bit more, but I actually, I think, know even less because <laughs> this is very, very unlike Kalichi, okay? Kalichi is one of the most diligent, respectful, hardworking guys in the business that I know, which is why, frankly, I'm a little bit worried that he's not here. I got a couple text messages from him, one that said he was at Costco getting one of those chicken empanada things, Ooh. and then another that had a picture of him in a kayak with a golden retriever, which what? I don't think that he Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. A golden retriever? Yeah, a golden retriever. You know, that lovable, that lovable <laughs> breed of dogs. So it's like I have these scattering of things. You know, to my knowledge, he hasn't been fired from BitMart. I no, don't think he's that, no, he's he not fired. fired. He, he he works too hard. Yeah, I I, I, I don't. You know what I think? I don't. Is. I don't know where he is. So you might be able to see in my new little Zoom background here that I made. I I'm I'm launching because I'm worried about my friend here. I'm launching <laughs> the Where's Kalichi campaign. All right, Where's Kalichi? Okay, where is he? And the way that I'm trying to get him back through audience participation and maybe, you know, kind of like putting out balls of yarn to attract a cat back, I've got some ADA here that I'm going to give away. I've got 100 ADA that I'm that I'm going to give away. And you're wondering, you're saying, Nathan, how are you going to give this out to people willy-nilly? I know Bitmart does a lot of contests. It's not through Bitmart. It's just through me. It's through Nathan, okay? You comment in the YouTube below and you tell me where Kalichi is, what he could possibly be doing. With an ADA address, I'll give you 10 ADA, okay, right? So it's 10 people, going to get 10 ADA. And by the way, Matt, if you were missing, okay, I would double it. I would do 200. Oh, I don't. Right. No, Kalichi's more valuable <laughs> than me. Good Lord. In terms of this show, the company, uh, existence, I, 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 would, I would triple it for Kalichi. For me, it's like 5 ADA and maybe a Tic Tac. <laughs> or, no, no, no. Uh, one of the entire sleeves of Tic Tacs, and they got to be the orange Tic Tacs, okay? Oh, uh, the orange? Is it because I'm a ginger? Is it? Come on. Yeah, you don't need to bust my chops that badly, bro. It's because you're so sweet. It's because you're so you're a, Aw, you're a sweetie muffin. So, yeah, we we don't know where Kalichi is. Um, I've launched the Where's Kalichi campaign, and until he comes back, this campaign is just going to be ongoing. So for the next seven days, it's 100, you know, it's 100 ADA. But after that, I'm not really sure. And so it's just going to be me and Matt here rapping a little bit. Not that I don't enjoy talking to Matt. I always do enjoy talking to Matt. Uh, we come from such different worlds that I feel like we'll always have something to talk about. But, you know, anybody who's watched the brain, you know, Kalichi helped build the brain trust yes. up. And I will personally want him to be here until it shuts down, whenever that may be, 75 years in the future or so. And uh, and uh, he just knows he's he's probably the most NFT crazy of, of all of us. You know, I thought that I was in NFTs and and then I met Kalichi. 
But you know what's interesting, Matt, is you have recently gotten me to bite <laughs> on oh? the uh, on the uh, the bait of professional wrestling, which I have nothing against professional wrestling. I would I have hope nothing not. against. I have nothing against sports. We've just known, we've discussed this before. It's not one of my interests. One yeah. could say this is why I got into crypto. However, Matt has a little series called Catalyst Wrestling that certainly he do. founded, produced. Am I getting that right? Yes, I'm the co-founder and one of the executive producers of Catalyst Wrestling. I'm wearing a t-shirt of uh, a former, a guy who performed in Catalyst, one of my favorites, uh, Tracy Smothers uh, from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, a little bit where... where uh... I used to uh, be from that's not too far uh, north of Atlanta. And I thought that this was interesting in that at least when I watched catalyst wrestling and I watched mm. an episode between deranged and a guy named Colby Carino, I think mm -hmm. I'm getting that correct. Yep. I really liked like, um, I really liked how exaggerated it is, <laughs> how, how, uh, how much action, but how a lot of the action is hype but about how there's like a structure behind it. It actually reminded me a lot of crypto and NFTs and in the way that some mm. of these projects hype themselves. And like, you know, everybody kind of says these dramatic things like, oh, we're going to change the world or oh, we're going to do this. But you know that there's only a, a handful of people throughout history, if you read the history books, who actually do <laughs> manage to change the world. It usually takes collective action or something like that. But another thing I thought about NFTs um, and I think that this is one of NFT's greatest use cases that even a neophyte like you can appreciate is ticketing yes. for events where, you know, I, I, I haven't ever been to New York City, mm. but I imagine that if if you're going to be in a scalper's market where you could buy scalp tickets, New York City is the place. Is that is that correct? Or is there like harsh laws against that? Oh, oh, scalping is illegal, but... Ever since I was a wee little child going to Madison Square Garden, you always had the ticket scalpers in front. Like, they're still there now. The garden's under construction. Like, the whole facade on 8th Avenue is completely under construction. But there's still dudes out there. Hey, you got you need tickets? So you buy, selling tickets? You selling tickets? Interesting. That's, okay. So yeah, that's, that's just great. a part of the tradition. Very cool. So that's what I think is so interesting is, Right now, in the current world where we have non-NFT tickets, scalping is kind of looked at as a, a little bit of an eyesore and as like a, something that the people who promote an event, whether it's you know a Catalyst Wrestling or whether it's Cher coming to the Madison Square Garden, they the event promoters don't like scalping because they don't receive any of the residuals from the secondary market ticket prices. However... NFTs fix this because when you sell an NFT on the secondary market, no matter what network you're doing it through, there's a royalty contract built in through the back end. So if you issue the NFTs as a ticket, right now, they're the unique person who's supposed to come into the, the event. They have their unique ticket to get in, but if they want to sell it on the secondary market, that's fine. And you can choose whether you want to receive 2% of what they mark it up for, 8%, 10%, whatever. And there's no way to get around it because if you have an NFT on your phone to get into an event, you have to have the real NFT. There's no way to, quote, scalp an NFT. And there's a lot of upcoming companies now 
that even for smaller companies like yours, for like Catalyst Wrestling, you're not like an account like Madison Square Garden, you could still end up using this technology, know your actual, um, the amount of people that are coming to your event, verify that your performers and all that stuff are going to get paid because you're not having these uh, crazy uh, scalpers making a whole bunch of money on the back end. And, you know, three, just do it in a low cost, easy way that is um, kind of like how people are moving away from cash, right? It's just kind of a, a non-touch thing. So that to me, actually, when I watched, you know, and everybody should go look at Catalyst Wrestling. It's on Tubi, Pluto TV, all sorts of stuff like that, just because it's interesting to me. I, like I said, I don't come from that world. But I thought about that when I, when I watched your wrestling stuff is that, huh, that is an upcoming thing that if there are a couple more projects that come out, newer event promotion, startups, things like that could really benefit from this. That is a huge, huge bullish case for me on NFTs. Yeah, and you still have the ability to create a secondary market because I would see places like StubHub and SeatGeek of going into the, the NFT space with NFT ticketing. And also it limits scalping because these NFTs, after a while, at least on the in the, in the real world market, on the online market, scalping is always going to exist uh, through third-party vendors and things like that. But... The value part of it's going to be real interesting to me, Nathan, because those NFTs, if they're collect, they're one of ones. How do you effectively control the pricing of that? Because the value across the board would be the interesting thing. The same way you would look at a board ape, or same thing you would look at like a crypto punks or something like that. Well, my understanding, and I, ha I do have, I do admit to having a limited understanding of this particular use case of NFTs is that it really is the digital upgrade of just Ticketmaster issuing tickets or things like that. So when I say that the ticket is an NFT, we can kind of substitute that as being like a unique barcode or unique thing. There's still tiers, right? Like the NFT version of dugout seats for the Mets is going to be much more expensive than the nosebleed seats. But nope. depending on what blockchain they're issued on and depending on um, how you're able to do that, um, there's actually an incentive for people to sell them on the secondary market because the uh, the issuer will be able to get royalties. So, it, I mean, unless somebody just totally figures out how to hack that system, which I guess is not technically unheard of. But, you know, I wanted to ask you something, Matt. I wanted to ask oh. you what um, – because you are really big into wrestling – and yes. what you may have thought of my analogy of wrestling and crypto as being these sort of because uh, sort of fringe universes that have very, very rabid devotional fans to them. It, it, uh, the only thing that I can even think of to also compare it to is stand up comedy, which I, I love. Mm. So maybe tell, you know, because sometimes it's good to give the fans like a little background info on your interests. I, I'd love to know how you got into wrestling why you continue to be a fan of wrestling. I mean, you founded your own wrestling <laughs> company, okay? You can't just be a casual observer unless it was just a really smart business move. It is not. Um, I've been a wrestling fan for as long as I've been able to form memories. Like, my first memory is watching... World Championship Wrestling on Channel 9 in New York with my grandmother. 
like right before my grandmother passed away. Like that's one of my earliest memories that that still exists in my mind. Um, and if my mind is making it up, it's still a good way to sell a yarn. Uh, <laughs> I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. Uh, when I got started in broadcasting, I started by doing a wrestling radio show that no one listened to on my college station. And uh, for the past 10 years, I've been working in all facets of the wrestling business, uh, on camera, off camera, last five years running Catalyst Wrestling, where we've done a unique approach. We do a television show. It's 30 minutes a week. We do these live specials. Uh, we're doing our next one next week, which is on my birthday. Yeah. Hey. My birthday is next sat this Saturday when you uh, hear or watch this when it drops on Monday. But, yeah, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. And you're right. Wrestling, much like crypto, much like sports, is defined heavily by these cultural norms and the idea of structure and community and teams working together and a lot of ego wrestling is much like every other sport, much like every other creative endeavor an ego driven one. Um, but what I love about pro wrestling is that you can create a universe and there's gotta be logic. There's gotta be reason. You have to exist. You have this universe where you have to create the laws. And there's so much lore within the history of the sport, and the, all these other t cultural and social touch points. That, as a creatively thinking person, talk to me at a real molecular level. Of course, the the violence of it is also fun to watch because who doesn't like what people smacking the heck out of one another on national TV? Mm -hmm. But the stories, the characters, the way you can explore humanity, the hero's tale, um, the way you can create these larger-than-life personalities, uh, like someone who works in Catalyst Wrestling, Bobby Orlando, uh, he's a guy who comes to the ring with Bobby Jr., which is a stuffed goat. He considers himself not only the goatest <laughs> of all time, but your mom, and he hails from his daddy's house, and he is one of the most entertaining human beings in I've ever known. And then conversely, you have a guy who's named Homicide, who is a 25-year-plus veteran of the industry, one of the smartest minds. He's been everywhere. He's done everything. He's this grizzled and battered veteran who's here to fight and make money. Like, pro wrestling is the only place in the world where you can have characters like that interact and it makes sense and it doesn't go against type and you can stretch all these different aspects of culture, society, storytelling. You can go in and out of the ring and it all can be can like compartmentalized into these different pockets and these different styles, but it's all under one genre. And there's no other genre, there's no other sport, there's no other thing in society outside of theater, but even theater can't really bend the way pro wrestling bends. To me, it's the ultimate American genre. I like that at the end. That is the ultimate American genre because... First of all, that was an excellent explanation of wrestling for somebody who, uh, like me who really just is still kind of trying to wrap their head around it. What's funny is that I, you know, the fans may not know this and I'm okay with sharing it. I grew up the first seven or eight years of my life in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and the, the, uh, the Midwesterners 
very big fans of wrestling, okay, especially during mm -hmm. the 1980s. So I grew up watching my cousins <laughs> be very into all this, but I never interacted with it. I'm talking about like maybe there would be a minute or two where I'd glance at the screen, see if there was wrestling going on, things like that. Uh, because as a younger child, I liked going out in the woods. Mm. I liked playing outside, doing things like that. Wrestling, I don't know, for some reason, it just never caught on to me. Like even my brother and I, we never like play wrestled a lot or anything like that. We would just go explore and things and things. But, you know, when you talked about the, the kind of the campiness uh, with the, with the, the, the violence with the characters and it's all under this umbrella. It does kind of make me think about when people, um, cause that could be a criticism of wrestling too, right? People always say it. They're like, Oh, wrestling's fake. It's not a real sport. Especially people that like, like the UFC or something like that. They just really look down on it. I can tell you blown out knee concussion, uh, chair to the spine. Um, I've had people dive on me, dive at me, um, two riots, <laughs> uh, one and a half riots but uh i've had children throw punches at me old women try to fight me uh it, it it's predetermined get, get out of sure. here with this fake nonsense gotcha okay well what i was where i was still gonna go with that uh with that analogy was that um that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's not as real or as crazy as the UFC because it's what people it's what people want to believe and that want to give it value. And then, like you said, you know, it is there is this interesting performative aspect to wrestling to where I don't care how quote fake it is when you tumbled off and you do a pile driver because you've practiced it a billion times. There's still the possibility that you could really hurt yourself. So um, the, my analogy here where I was going with crypto was I the common criticism I always hear about things in the crypto space and the NFT space is uh, how could this JPEG of a monkey be worth uh, $400 million? Or how could this token of a dog really be worth 70 cents and have a market cap of $500 million? And I always, my number one response to people is always, well, enough people believe in it that it is so. And they say, but that's not good enough for me. And I'd say, well, then it's not for you. You, didn't, you don't believe in it. You don't want to give it value. That's totally fine. That is your choice, basically. And I, I, that's where I found an interesting parallel there between wrestling and crypto that I wanted to explore a little bit. Also notated, I also had a college radio show that nobody listened to. Really? I had Shout several. <laughs> I only had one. I only had one. Shout out to Shane. Can't remember your last name, but I think you live in Wisconsin now. Uh, if you ever, uh, he was my co-host. Shane. Last name started with an R, really cannot remember how to pronounce it. Skinny guy. Uh, we would play Rage Against the Machine, things like that, blah, blah, blah. And we'd always have to have our finger ready on the beep button because even college radio stations were under the thumb of the S of the FCC. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, ha I have a few of those stories. Uh <laughs> Weagle 91.1 FM in Auburn, Alabama. Um, I can't remember nice. what my show is called either. I cannot remember what my show I, is called for the life of me. I, I was on 90.3 WKRB Kingsborough community college, Brooklyn, New York. 
That was how hey. I learned how to do the broadcasty voice that I do on the show, uh, which is just now my normal speaking voice. My my old speaking voice has been dead for years. I was just about to say that. Do you even remember your old voice? Oh, I do, and I hate it. Like, I have old tapes of when I was an intern many, many moons ago, and I listened to them for a second, and I'm like, nope, nope, can't do it, can't do it. It was just a really Brooklyn accent. Like, my... V- my vowels completely just fell off the table. It was just like watching pool balls hit the floor. Just every time I said a polysyllabic word, which was great when you go into broadcasting. Do you, do you, I'm trying to imagine this in my mind, but I'm also not that great with, uh, with, with accents, unless it's easy ones to do like a Southern accent. Well, what is technically a Brooklyn accent? It's that, you know, New York accent, kind of talking like this, a little sl- mumble mouth, a little bit like uh, using a lot of uhs and ahs and not really finishing sentences, things like that, you know. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like I get it in my head, and if I, if I try to do it, I'm just going to end up in an exaggerated um, uh, Italian-American accent because that's what I – Yeah. It's most of my heritage, so we don't need to go there. We don't. It's it's all right. It's all right. Bobbity boobity. Um, I I would be interested um to maybe end this broadcast here in a little bit with you said you had some FCC stories about yeah. things where you made a mistake. No, it wasn't me who made quick. the mistake. Oh, okay. Well, even better. It's fine. I wanted to relate this to you know when you're starting out in crypto too. Crypto, NFTs, the whole holistic ecosystem. There's always rules that people go over with you and they're like, not your keys, not your coins. Hey, make sure you look at the end of the address before you send it to your, uh, to, to, to anyone, you know, especially yourself. And I can remember when I first got into crypto and I had a bunch of Litecoin, which is still around. It's a pretty good coin still. It's a fork of Bitcoin and it's, it looks silver, right? It just takes, takes uh, less time to confirm. And I remember not confirming some of my addresses and sending a whole Litecoin, you know, just off into the ether and not to ether. That would would have been good, but off into the ether, off into the void. And I remember looking up, I said, oh, no, I sent my Litecoin somewhere. How do I get it back? And they were like, that's not how the blockchain works, you dummy. (laughs) So, you know, little mishaps like that. Thank thank the heavens I, I never had any, you know, really really bad stories of yeah. losing a bunch of money, but I'm sure that everyone here is now interested in your FCC stories, Matt. And if they're not, well, guess what? I am and <laughs> I'm the manager. So we get to tell them. <laughs> Thanks boss. Um, I, I worked for two college radio stations. I worked for WKRB and I worked for 88.7 FM radio Hofstra university. Uh, my time at Hofstra was mostly in news. Uh, you can't see it on camera here, but I have an Associated Press News Reading Award. And if you listen to the non-fungible news, you wonder, how? How did that happen? Um, we don't know. Um, legit found out after I was attending Hofstra, and I laughed for 20 straight minutes. But when I was at Kingsboro, I brought the basketball commentary back. Uh, for the school for the first time in a decade, Nathan. You know why they hadn't done it for a decade? Um, am I allowed to actually guess? Yes. Is this, a, is this a rhetorical question? No, you're allowed to guess. Uh, my guess would be that a miniature poodle had been uh, appointed as the head of the athletic department, and since miniature poodles can't talk, nothing had actually been done for a decade. Is that correct? 
Close, close. <laughs> um, the old commentators were talking smack about the team. The team heard them and pummeled them, allegedly. <laughs> So actually pummeled them, like real violence? Words were said. Actions might have happened. Uh, I am speaking, you know, 35th person. So, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly that happened. So we brought it back. First game, we're on the Unispan in the basketball venue. And it's a comical setup. Like, it's just a whole bunch of community college kids just trying to put on. It's like the Muppet Show. Um, but shout out to my crew. We got it done every game, but we were on the air and this guy's walking by and he says verbatim, Oh shit. You on the radio? And you can hear it. And I'm like, uh, and I just take off my headset. Yeah, man. Back to the game now. Peterkin in the top of the key passes it off. Shot. Yes, sir. And I, I have to continue doing the game. It's like being in an improv exercise while someone is just slathering themselves in honey in the background. You just you just can't. You know it's there, but you can't sell to it. And I, you're just in the back of your head wondering, what am I doing with my life? And that's a good that's a good analogy because. <laughs> I, you know, I always thought about that real quick because, you know, so I was, I was, I feel your pain because I did have, you know, my own college radio show. I, but I always wondered too, I thought, you know, I guess the FCC is listening, but like, they're not, they're listening to like, like Stern used to be their go-to for like, like at least a decade or something like that. That's the person they were monitoring to like give fines to and all that. They weren't, I, I just didn't believe that there was a dedicated person being like, all right, uh, we're looking at the shows that are coming oh, out of no. Auburn, Alabama. You're just, you're so just like, waiting for some old Yenta grandmother to call in and complain to the FCC, and that's how you get got. It's not that you swore. It's that someone complained that you swore, basically. That's, that's what I thought. So, like, you were probably good there, even if you were a super popular radio show, because... And I guess if just people liked you, right, you could have swore up all the live long day and until people complained or until the FCC was like, this is unreasonable, um, nothing would have happened there. It, it, it reminds me a little bit. You said it was kind of a ragtag operation there with a bunch of college kids trying to put on a radio show. We had a decently professional radio station uh, at Auburn, you know, because it was a university. But was what was much more ragtag was when I was the managing editor of the college newspaper, uh, which is actually a very decorated newspaper. But I was um, about to say, uh, yeah, it actually it's it's funny enough. If you look at it, it is the most decorated college newspaper uh, in the USA in colleges. Right, that huh. is just fun fun fact. And the editor in chief that I appointed right after me, a lady by the name of Kelsey. Um, she actually won the equivalent of uh, like the Heisman for whatever newspapers are. I didn't the get Pulitzer? anything. I was, you know, I don't think that it's technically the Pulitzer for college newspapers, but it was something. I I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've been in in that world. I was just trying to keep it together there. But um, yes, I feel your pain for when it comes to. <laughs> 
oh gosh, trying to interview people, trying to be on site, you know, having to go to events. And it's different as a journalist, as a print journalist versus as a radio broadcaster or something like that. But it's all kind of the same stew, yeah. you know. I, was, I, I had vegetables and I feel like you had meat. I also, uh, I had to cover a congressional resignation while I was in Hofstra and that was a calamity. <laughs> it, it's just, it, but see- what I think what I'm getting at here, what I'm getting at is that people think that the crypto world is so crazy and that there's it's so unprecedented and like I can't believe that this stuff is happening. But I guess what I'm saying is that if you've been in a tumultuous environment like media, uh, especially college media or amateur media, I suppose you could say it, I was exposed to this stuff very early on. Yeah. And actually, a lot of it was why I decided not to go into media as a career, which is interesting now that I've kind of swung back here. <laughs> but I, but I, I got to say, I prefer this type of media to the traditional media or what we would say. Um, and so when you look at the crypto world and people say, ah, it's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's going up, it's going down. Why does it do this? Why does it do that? And I just, I, I find it very easy to bob up and down on the waves and kind of enjoy enjoy the perspective of of what's happening because it's all so new and there's so much new technology out there happening and nfts seem very interesting to me as well about mm -hmm. how they might be incorporated in in media for uh for someday like i'm just spitballing here off the top of my head there's always been uh, people think that fake news is a new problem there's actually been fake news you know throughout history oh yeah there were it's, presidential it's just, campaigns that were ran on fake news Sure. Yeah. It's just that it's easier to disseminate and kind of fool people with here now. But at the same time, I'm thinking of just spitballing off the top of my head. Like if you want to know that a news story was from a genuine source, like if you were like, oh, I want to know that this is actually from the Washington Post and not somebody just like reposting it in a way or modifying it. Uh, I could have like a unique token that you could verify, like from an NFT. So that, like the journalist or the author or the news team, or whatever could say that like, oh, this is a verified story in the same way that we verify Twitter profiles or mm. Facebook profiles or things like that. I think that that's interesting to think about, um, you know, because this is technically an NFT specific show, but I'm always trying to bring it back to, to that sort of stuff. And, you know, once again, I'm just going to bring up where's Kalichi because <laughs> I, now I'm just thinking I, I keep waiting, you know, I keep waiting for Kalichi to put his opinion in and make, you know, me and Matt seem smarter than we actually are. And then there's just, there's no, there's a void here, right? There's a void here. You can tell, I'll be interested in the audience, the people that are going to be listening and commenting below, not only because you want to get that ADA, but I mean, come on, you have to be missing Kalichi right now. It's how, how could you not? He would have something great to say right now. And instead, I think he's in a kayak with a golden retriever. I'm not sure. Well, we're going to get in our own kayak. We're going to go out and try to find Kalichi. But in the description, in the chat below, in the comments, let us know. We'll give you 180A. If you can answer the question, where's Kalichi? The best answer is going to the 10 best answers get 10 ADA each. That will get you 100 in total ADA. 
just let us know in the comments. Where's Kalichi? You can follow Nathan Simone on Twitter at CryptoNathan76. You can follow me on Twitter at MMattRyanYells. That's Matt Ryan Yells. And you can follow us at BitMartExchange. You can listen to new episodes of the Crypto Conversations, the Daily Crypto Watch, Monday through Friday. And you can get editions of the Non-Fungible News every Monday through Friday. We bring you a new BitMart Brain Trust every Monday, unless there's a holiday, then it's on Tuesday. So for Nathan Simone, I'm Matt Ryan. This has been the BitMart Brain Trust. We've just made you a little bit smarter and hopefully a little less sadder. And you know what, Matt, real quick before you end it right here, real quick. I know that we usually don't let me butt in at the end. There's a welcome bonus that's going on at BitMart that has just been going off the charts. And I want us to to make people aware of that, okay? We always have that promo link to sign up. Be smart. Some of you are extremely smart and have used that link. That's that's the reason I know. There's a welcome bonus going on where you can get up to $3,000 in USDT, registering, signing, depositing. And I don't know, maybe it'll also help bring Kalichi back. That's just another thing that I, I wanted to say is, where's Kalichi? <laughs> Where is Kalichi? Where is he? Please come back. Hey, Nathan here from BitMart. Hope you liked that conversation. I know that I always do. It's great learning more about crypto and kind of putting a face behind all the technical jargon. But that's not the last thing we have to do. We've got to get some legal stuff out of the way. And so here it goes. All opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of BitMart. BitMart does not guarantee the accuracy, applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of this content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there can be a substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. BitMart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Use of BitMart services is entirely at your own risk.